Beltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight. The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Thursday, December 13th edition. Your Drive begins now, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We'll open the phone lines up later for you at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. We'll hear from Carrie on the realm as the Thundering Herd continue to get ready for the Bad Boy Motors Gasparilla Bowl. That's coming up next week. We'll have complete coverage right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Plus, of course, we'll go over the bowl swag. Um, not so impressed so far with the Gasparilla Bowl, but only because we don't have the details. We'll go over the rankings, and of course, we will tell you about what's happening today in Conference USA and across college football and basketball. But first, it's time now for that weekly reminder that you better set your lineup, you better set your roster, because it's Thursday, and that means, once again, He's here to save you from making a big mistake in fantasy football. Joe Bartle from rotowire.com and rotowire magazine. He's with us now and um, he is here to grace us with the knowledge to get your team set for the playoffs. It's the final time, Joe. I can't believe it. Next week we got the bowl game for Marshall, so we're not going to be on the air and then of course college bowls kick us off the air. This is it. If you're not ready for fantasy football playoffs now, uh, people haven't been paying attention, so you're here to save them one more time. Yeah, this is the last time we'll make it count. I can't imagine a more impactful Thursday night game when it comes to fantasy purposes, whether it be studs like Patrick Mahomes or Phillip Rivers or Keenan Allen or Tyreek Hill, but also the likes of Damian Williams, who should be filling in for Spencer Ware, and potentially Justin Jackson should and when Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler get ruled out. These are two pivotal free agent guys that are probably available, at least they should have been available in most uh, free agent wires, that are frankly top 15 options this week and this week alone. Like I can't imagine a time uh, since I've been doing this fantasy football coverage where we've had such impactful free agent players available that could dictate the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, this is a great game as well. Thankfully, we've been blessed with a game between two teams with outstanding records. It's a meaningful matchup. It feels like sometimes fantasy football is the only thing we have to hold on to with some of these matchups. Not tonight. No, absolutely not. And I think, like you said, right, we've been blessed with it. Like this is this is going to be a fun football game. I anticipate, and I actually covered the Chargers for Roadwear, so I have a bit more of an inside look at them than probably most people. I anticipate the Chiefs probably end up pulling this game out, but it's a different kind of contest with Kareem Hunt not on that Kansas City roster. Tyreek Hill may be limited, if he's limited at all. If there's any sort of speed impact that's lost with Tyreek Hill, I think Casey Hayward probably matches up better than most people in the NFL in terms of trying to stop him. And the offenses from both sides of the ball are going to be really good. This should be a high-scoring game, or frankly, it could be a turnover kind of game where a Joey Bosa or even the return of Eric Berry makes a big difference on one of the team's defenses, and it'll end up being a 24-21 kind of game in, in any regards. The fight for the AFC West division is going to make this a fun contest, and we don't get that all that often for these Thursday night games. This is going to be not just one of the better Thursday night games of the year. I think it's going to be one of the better NFL games all season long. That's saying something. We've had some good games, and uh, this one is definitely going to shape up to be one of those. So uh, is there any pitfalls with this game, though? You're looking at somebody, you're trying to maybe tighten up your roster, you're trying to stream. Is there anybody, anything that you're 
telling people, okay, hey, stay away from this? Generally, when it gets to the fantasy playoffs, I recommend just staying the course. Too often, I think you can make too many tinkering moves, and it ends up costing you. This might be the one instance where I suggest the latter. I, I think you have to seriously consider, are my two running backs or my two running backs in flex, or whatever it ends up being, are both of them good enough over Justin Jackson and Damian Williams? Damian Williams is the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. I understand Chark Kendrick West was just recently signed. He had spent time with the Chiefs prior to this season, I think, this year he only played in one week with them, but before that was four seasons. So he should know Andy Reid's defense, or I'm sorry, offense. That doesn't mean anything. I think Damian Williams is the guy that's going to get the ball. And with the likes of Terry Kill Limited and Travis Kelsey probably covered by a guy like Derwin James, I wonder if Damian Williams isn't going to be one of the prime targets for some of those check down throws. Now, Mahomes isn't exactly known for that, but I think overall Kansas City's going to have to move the ball by throwing it. And Williams makes a lot of sense as a guy to target. He might still get a couple of carries and if he ends up getting 15 to 20 looks total, whether it be receiving or rushing, that's a guy that, against this defense, against the Chargers defense, is going to be an interesting name to monitor, and certainly bears considering as a, I'm sorry, a running back two candidate. The same goes for Justin Jackson. The Chiefs have struggled all season long stopping the running back. Unlike maybe Charkendrick Weston and Damian Williams, there really isn't anyone behind Justin Jackson. Trez Newsom probably figures to get a few carries if only to spell Jackson, but he's going to get the Lions share of the work, whether it is receiving or running the ball. And I think this is an instance where he has to become a must-start if you ended up picking him up or want him off the wire. Like This is this is going to be a very interesting game should Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler get ruled out like we anticipate. So it's it's there's a lot of different facets. Of course, it's going to be a fun game to watch. AFC West Division on the line, but this in particular with two fantasy running backs that uh, no one would have predicted would be important in Week 15, it's going to be a doozy of a game on Thursday. Joining us from rotowire.com and rotowire magazines, Joe Bartle. And we've got that game, of course, coming up tonight. Want to remind folks. And then, of course, Saturday. We've got Saturday football. So, heads up for some of you maybe haven't set your rosters far ahead yet. We've got Saturday football this time of year. You've got some okay matchups. The Jets, the Texans. The Browns, the the Broncos, anything there maybe fantasy owners should be looking for or looking out for? Well, the first thing is injuries. Uh, the really the only one big big one to note, we already know Isaiah Crowell for the Jets has been ruled out, but we're still waiting word on whether Elijah McGuire is going to end up being ruled out as well. And at least early reports indicate he's not playing Saturday. If that's the case, Trenton Cannon, more of the speedster running back for the Jets, becomes a viable option. I'm not sure I'd be starting him over like the likes of Justin Jackson and Damian Williams for tonight's matchup, like if we're talking free agent running backs. But if you're super desperate and maybe need a flex play, Cannon probably figures to get a few catches out of the backfield, and we know he has the speed to make those count. So talking about maybe 8 to 10 points that you can get guaranteed, I feel confident that if McGuire or Elijah McGuire is ruled out for the Jets, Cannon becomes an interesting name to monitor, and I would hope I hope to God nobody is rostering him at this point unless you're in super deep leagues. Like We're really scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to that. Otherwise, the quarterbacks are kind of someone we're going to be monitoring the Saturday games. Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, even Case Keenum, potentially a two-QB league, are all relevant guys at this point. I mean, like you could probably make the case that there are some uh, quarterbacks going against defenses like Aaron Rodgers where you might want to bench them this week. And I, I think Baker Mayfield is a guy, even with that Broncos defense, that I would strongly consider. We saw how great he was playing last week, and he's really come into his own after Hugh Jackson was fired. I like him quite a bit. 
as a, a mid-tier quarterback that you could expect to get a little bit higher production than normal. So uh, there's, you know, the matchups aren't great. Texans, Jets, uh, okay, whatever. Jets are kind of out of things, and Broncos are hanging by a, a really thin line at this point, too, for their playoff hopes. But fantasy-wise, these will be interesting games to watch, and I think uh, a couple injuries might change things around and make it even more compelling from that perspective. Now, you mentioned Hugh Jackson. Of course, uh, I've got to suffer on Sunday as um, Cincinnati takes on Oakland. Um, I don't know what to say about this game. I don't know what you could say about this game because if you've got anybody in Oakland or, or Cincinnati on your team, you're not doing fantasy right. Yeah, I, I will say, though, to the Bengals, and you've probably noticed this, that they have allowed the most passing yards uh, all season long. Like, they're one of the worst defenses when it comes to stopping the quarterback position in fantasy. So Derek Carr, along with a guy like Baker Mayfield or even Lamar Jackson, those are three names that, again, if you're considering maybe do I want to kind of tinker a little bit with that quarterback spot, Carr ends up being an okay choice. Now, I don't like his receiving options, and I actually think the Bengals secondary is better than a lot of people anticipate, but the numbers are kind of tough to argue with at this point in the year, and I don't anticipate that offense looking any better, which probably will allow the Raiders to have more opportunities offensively as well. Like a guy like Doug Martin, who... I've been having to roll out as my RB2 in a lot of different leagues. Again, makes a lot of sense. He's not going to get a lot of production, but I anticipate the Raiders will be able to get into the red zone, and if Martin can kind of sneak his way into the touchdown, that's that's perfect. That's all you really need when you're starting a guy like him at that running back spot, too. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a great matchup. Certainly, like, football-wise, God, I hope no one actually wants to watch that game unless you are the most diehard of diehard fans for the Raiders or Bengals. But fantasy-wise, there might be some more implications than you would immediately look at. Of course, for those of you who don't want to watch it but still keep an eye on that game or an ear on that game, you can listen to it right here on Sunday, right here, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're right. I don't know if I want to watch it, but I will listen to it just to keep an eye on it, just a little bit because, well, um, Oakland's 3-10 and 10 and Cincinnati 5-8, and eight, and I don't know what else you can say about that other than, um, hey, um, next year should be good for draft picks, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I I will say I do like the listening to the game's approach and I'm I'm kind of suffering right, right alongside you as the Packers and I, I can't stand watching them on TV. I end up getting far more frustrated than I probably should over a football team that I have no control over. But listening to them on the radio seems to make things a lot better. Maybe it's just because I'm talking on the radio right now, but I'm a huge fan of that form of media and uh, especially when it comes to the NFL, I think there are there are a few better ways to consume NFL game and listening to the radio. So, yeah, I, I lean towards your direction. Let's just pop on that Raiders game, Raiders-Bengals game and have it on the background. Why not? Yeah, get some other stuff done. You know, do some happy stuff while you listen to the game. <laughs> exactly. Sunday night, Monday. We've got some okay matchups. Uh, Philadelphia and L.A. is our Sunday matchup. Monday is New Orleans and Carolina. Uh, if you're waiting to the last minute or holding out hope that you've got some options there, uh, where do you go with uh, those teams? Well, if the... Eagles-Rams game ended up getting ruined, I feel like, because the likes of Carson Wentz is probably going to be out not just this week but the rest of the season. And that, sure, you would think put a damper on the hopes for the Eagles' playoff chances. But then again, Nick Foles was the former quarterback for the Rams. Maybe there's a revenge game narrative that ends up happening should Foles end up getting a start like we anticipate. I don't know if it hurts the likes of Elshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and Golden Tate, or Zach Ertz if Foles under center, any more than a limped and battered and bruised Carson Wentz was already hurting those guys' prospects anyway. Like, Elshon Jeffrey was entirely touchdown dependent when it comes to his fantasy relevance, but he was dependent enough, or at least good enough in the red zone, where he probably couldn't afford to not start him. And Zach Ertz is one of the pr- premier tight ends in all of NFL, and 
again, was getting enough production where you probably couldn't bench him even with the struggles of Carson Wentz. I'm not worried about the Rams' defense. I know what we saw against the Bears last week and that uh, they actually did pretty well against a Matt Nagy offense that has kind of had the NFL under fire this year. I'm not worried about it. I think if Nick Foles under center, you still have to start those studs like Zach Ertz, like Elshon Jeffrey. Uh, Josh Adams kind of developed into a stud at this point of the year, too, and I feel okay about starting him as well. I don't know. It's it's going to be more of a fun game to watch in terms of NFL than fantasy purposes. And frankly, if the Rams win this week, fantasy owners who have Todd Gurley or Brandon Cooks or Jared Goff really need to be mindful of that because there's a real possibility they'll be benching their guys because they already have the number one seed locked up should the Bears lose to the Packers this week. So there's a lot of other ramifications that come with this, and especially this time of year, it's important to monitor the likes of the high teams like the Saints or Rams or Chiefs and see if there's any inkling about them benching their star players. Because then you have to kind of pivot when it gets to Week 16 and Week 17 for the fantasy playoffs and find ways to fix that or change that or prepare for that. And I think one of the ways to do that would be picking up Malcolm Brown, who would figure to start and get most of the carries if Todd Gurley's out. He's kind of the backup for the Rams and would be an intriguing name to monitor with the last two weeks kind of coming to a close. Joe Bortles joining us, rotowire.com and rotowire magazine. And playoffs, of course, are happening for a, a lot of fantasy owners, if not this week, uh, next week in uh, smaller leagues. But for that fantasy football player that's planning, maybe looking ahead now, getting ready for the next season, uh, any advice for them? You know, some leagues are, as we talked about, are dynasty leagues, other leagues are, you know, just one year you draft and then you draft again, but any advice maybe looking forward to that person who's not having such a good season and wants to have a better season? Yeah, like at least from a dynasty perspective, and I love those leagues. Those are my favorite kind of formats. I'm not really enthused about the quarterback crop coming in. Like I understand there's probably going to be two or three or four guys taking in the first round this year, but I'm not entirely positive they're going to be good. Like I'm thinking the E.J. Manuel, Christian Ponders of the world first round picks could potentially enter this year. That being said, the receiver position looks really strong and is only getting stronger, I think, as we get closer to the combine and end of the bowl season. We're going to see probably four or five receivers enter the first round of the draft this year, and they could be immediate impact players. When you look around the league, there's not a lot of guys that are going to be available in free agency, like Tyrell Williams, Golden Tate. These are the names that are probably the best receivers on the free agent market entering this offseason. And there's probably five, six, seven teams that could realistically use a number one wide receiver. So I think it'll be interesting thing to monitor. And if you're in the business of acquiring dynasty picks or keep around kind of things, the receiver position looks like one that you could fill out relatively easily. The running backs always seem to change, I think, week by week and, and month by month. Certainly as we get closer to the combine, we'll kind of see some of those guys unfold. And it'll help knowing who's actually qualified and entering the NFL draft as opposed to the speculation that we have to do now. But uh, at least from dynasty purposes, it seems like it'll be a good wide receiver year and not a great quarterback year. Keeper-wise, you know, I think that it's going to depend in large part on the likes of the top of the board. Like Le'Veon Bell, I'm not quite sure what you want to do with him because I don't think he knows what he wants to do yet. And those are going to be uh, ones that I think really end up changing the dynamic of the whole fantasy season when you are in a keeper league, kind of figuring out how to maneuver those pitfalls with the Le'Veon Bells. If you can make a move and trade him at this point or get some sort of asset for him without knowing if and when he's coming back to the NFL, those are the kind of decisions that will be interesting to watch and monitor as the season kind of winds to a close. Joe, I'm going to lean on your expertise a little bit. You cover the NFL, not just for fantasy purposes, but, of course, you're on top of the NFL and knowing what's going on, how it works. So 
I'm kind of curious, what's your take on it, since especially in the state of West Virginia, it's a little bit more prevalent now. Will Greer, he decides he's not going to play in his bowl game. He's getting ready for the NFL, so I'll use him as the jumping-off point. When guys like that decide they don't want to play, they don't want to finish out their college career, and they're heading towards the NFL, what's the feeling? Is that really, and I'm sure it's a case-by-case situation, but is that advantageous for some of the higher-profile players? Do NFL teams really look at that like, okay, that's not really going to help you any more than you um, playing an extra game? What's the league take on that, or at least what have you experienced? I've read a lot of recent takes. The injury to Jalen Smith, who is now is excelling with the Cowboys and was a second-round pick, but he was a Notre Dame running back that gravely injured his knee during one of the bowl games. That injury kind of changed the whole mindset that NFL teams seem to have about players that, quote-unquote, were acting selfishly by not participating in the bowl games. I have always been in favor of the players in that sense. Like You're not getting paid when you're a college athlete. And you're risking millions upon millions of dollars and, and frankly, high draft statuses on what you do or if you can stay healthy in that one particular game. Again, Jalen Smith would have been a top 10 pick in the draft if he had not suffered that knee injury and then falling all the way kind of the well beginning of the second round. And that's an extra year of a contract that's at least uh, $5 to $10 million that were out the door all because he decided to play for his team. I, I just don't, I don't understand that aspect. I understand there's a lot of the old guard that thinks you need to kind of play that through. But when there's so much money on the line, when there's your importance and what you mean to the NFL and what you can have for the rest of your career, kind of debating on whether or not a meaningless game needs to be played, it's not a question in my mind that you can sit out if you choose to sit out, and that shouldn't impact anybody's prospects in the NFL. So I've always been leaning that way. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit younger. I think if I were to talk to my dad, he'd be all over the fact that a guy like Will Greer wasn't playing. But in reality, again, they're not getting paid. This is a situation where they have to think about themselves and think about their NFL careers. So I've never had no, I've never had any problem with that. And frankly, it feels like the way the NFL has been going, uh, most of the front office executives don't seem to have much of an issue with it either. I mean, look at like Miles Garrett, who went number one overall. There's a big question about whether he should be playing uh, and how much time he missed. Uh, again, I, I just don't think it's as big of a conversation anymore as it was maybe five or ten years ago. Joining us from rotowire.com and rotowire magazines, Joe Bartle. Now, you can go to the website, sign up. You can get all kinds of great tools. It's not just football. Uh, I truly, genuinely love what I can find at rotowire. I use it for fantasy hockey. I'm streaming goaltenders, and, and trust me, I stream goaltenders a lot. Uh, <laughs> you can find out who's hot, who's not, who's starting, uh, not just limited to football, baseball, hockey basketball you guys are doing stuff with college football as well since the bowls are coming up so if you're interested in that i'm sure you guys are going to have predictions and picks for all the bowl games as well yeah we do we actually have a pretty intense survivor series style uh for the uh, the college football games at least at the rotowire office so yes there will absolutely be articles up on the site kind of giving the point spread and, and uh even fancy players to consider i know that actually this is one of the bigger times for RotoWire subscribers to get involved in college football. It's normally the start of the season and the end of the season because so many people are jacked for the bowl games, and there's a lot of different things that can be done when it comes to the confidence picks or something like that for the bowl games. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of things going on. And as the NFL season kind of winds to a close, it really starts to pick up for baseball. Like We have our first projections out there. 
And I think we're one of the first fantasy sites to have projections out for baseball players already. Those get altered as, of course, different things happen, different teams get traded, like the Carlos Santana deal that happened earlier today with involving the Indians and uh, Mariners. Like, There's a lot of those things that are still yet to come, but initial projections for baseball, and then at least specifically for me, with the NFL season winding down, we also get into the NBA stuff too, and I'll be doing more podcasts and just more articles overall for that. So yeah, it's it's a sad time when the NFL season winds to a close because that's one of my favorite uh, pastimes of the entire year. But a whole bunch of different open uh, open uh, well doors open up with that coming to a close. I'm kind of curious, um, how are you guys doing Survivor Series style college football bowl games? I'm curious. Yeah, it ends up you kind of have to pick which teams you feel confident in, which you only pick one per day like i know there's like three or four that go on on saturday and sunday and you have to pick one and if they end up winning or advancing you keep moving on all the way down to the actual final itself so if you end up having one or two final teams you're normally set or golden to be in the money but with so many different bowl games and so many different teams that frankly not a lot of people at the office have any idea what's going on with either of those teams or whatever else is competing it makes for an interesting thing and more often than not it ends up being like a two or three people down to the finals and I think in the last three years that I've been working with Rotowire, uh, we've had just a single winner for the Survivor Series college football playoff bowl game that we do uh, each year. So it's it's interesting and a lot of fun. Okay, email me the deets on that. I, I want to do that next year. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely arrange that. All right, good deal. Joe is joining us from rotowire.com and Rotowire Magazine. Hopefully we get to have you back next year and uh, – Anybody else from Roto-Wire wants to hop on the show, we appreciate you guys uh, all year long and everything that you've done for us. And uh, It's uh, one of my favorite websites. It's not just a website where I go to pick my fantasy football lineup. It's a great site for lots of college, pro, all the news I need. Uh, it's been fantastic, and uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show, and we appreciate it, and hopefully we'll do it again next year, if not sooner. Yeah, it's been a great run, and I've enjoyed coming on and talking with you guys, and spitballing a little bit about the Bengals too unfortunately both the Bengals and Packers have had difficult seasons but maybe next year we'll be singing a different tune that's the great thing about the NFL and the great thing about this industry and media is that we can kind of reset year after year and, and look forward to doing that I just want a fantasy coach ranking so we I can see how far Marvin Lewis falls next year <laughs> well we could try to put something like that together for you that would work Joe thanks for everything and of course uh, I encourage everyone to uh, go to the website rotowire.com and you can subscribe there and you can do the trial find out if you like the website trust me uh, I'm I've improved as a fantasy hockey owner based on doing research at rotowire so it will help you out thanks Joe appreciate it bye now it's Joe Bartle, rotowire.com, rotowire magazine. We're going to come back and uh, we're going to hear from uh, Carry On Morell. Had a chance to chat with him yesterday as Marshall's getting set for the Bad Boy Motors Gasparilla Bowl. Also, uh, we'll talk about the winner of the Eddie Robinson National Coach of the Year and we'll go over some of the bowl swag. Thundering Herd's getting gift suite. That's all we know. But which bowl's getting their participants a PlayStation. We'll tell you about that when we continue with this edition of The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Welcome back to The Drive. Yesterday, I had a chance to catch up with some of the guys over at the stadium. 
talk a little herd football. That's right. Coming up next week. Can you believe it? We are a week away next week. We're going to be talking about the game between Marshall and South Florida. We're going to be at Roosters for our usual on-the-road pregame show. So we'll be there. Hope you can join me as well. But I'm going to get you ready for the game as much as I can before Thursday. And today, Carrion Morrell had a chance to talk to him yesterday. I like talking to Carrion Morrell. He's well-spoken, knows what he's talking about. You kind of get a feeling that there's a lot going on when he's talking, that he's got plans within plans on how to make things happen on the football field. And I wanted to find out from him if he could just maybe, you know, give us an update. He's seen the team now. He's been doing the film study. The coaches are getting the game plan ready. I just want to get his in, his impression of that South Florida offense. They got good receivers. Uh, they got a veteran O-line. They quarterback, very good. Uh, he transferred from Bama, so anybody that can start at Bama, pretty good. And they running backs, like, they running backs really make them go. Like, they running backs, like, look like they real shifty. They just, they going to get the extra yard. Like, and you got to, like, just, we got to, like, set leverage, you know. We just got to do, like, the things that we do to be able to, like, control the game. I feel like he's he's telling me just enough. He's not giving the game plan away, but he's telling me just enough. He knows what needs to happen. He just knows that I don't need to hear it all. But I was kind of curious, so I asked him, hey, who South Florida reminds you of? They running backs probably play somewhat like FAU running backs, like Singletary and White. Like they very – they going – when they see it, they going to hit it. Like that's the biggest thing with them. When they see the hole, they going to hit it full speed. So I wanted to get his take, stopping the run. This is going to be key for Marshall, right? So uh, here's his take on stopping that run game. We just got to stay in our gaps, like set leverage. Like if you primary leverage, you got to set leverage. If you secondary leverage, you got to set leverage. Like everybody's got to do their job. I feel like if we do what we did in the previous weeks, we'll be fine. One question that was asked of Morrell was just how important is it not to try to go out there and just do too much? Very important. Like we like as a defense, we trust each other to know like if my brother if my brother's supposed to be in his gap, I know my brother's gonna be in his gap. So like that's the biggest thing, like just having trust. So I feel like we, we all trust each other enough to know like if he supposed to be in his gap, he's gonna be in his gap. And if he's supposed to like play the pass, they trust us to play the pass. So that's important. You gotta be able to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're not worried about what the other guy is doing. And that's key for this team to really uh, be able to compete with South Florida. Now, South Florida receivers, here's his take on what they bring. What are they able to do? What are they doing that makes them different? Just height. Like, they all big, big guys. They can go up, get the ball. To me, they, like, somewhat remind me of, like, the NC State guys and, like, the, F, the FIU guys, like, they, they just big guys that, like, go up and get the ball. So it's just going to be big of, like, us just making our plays when it's time to make our plays. We will take our break, come back, and we will talk about what's happening today. A Conference USA coach named the Eddie Robinson National Coach of the Year. Plus, we'll go over the annual bowl swag list when we continue with this edition of The Drive, presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
Drive with Paul Swan, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So uh, one of my uh, favorite parts of being a member of the Football Writers is I get to vote on some of the end-year awards, and one of those awards is the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year awarded. I picked from Conference USA Bill Clark. Well, so did a lot of the football writers because UAB's having their best season. They already have uh, put themselves in a position where it's going to be very tough to top what they've done. They're reaching for the 10 win plateau for the first time. And today, Football Writers Association of America. And the All-State Sugar Bowl have announced that UAB head coach Bill Clark is the Eddie Robinson National Coach of the Year recipient. Now, he'll be officially presented with the award. The reception will be on Saturday, January 5th in California. He's going to be handed the trophy during a reception in conjunction with the College Football Playoff National Championship game, which is great not just for UAB, Conference USA as well, because He's done, I think, a remarkable job with that program. First ever Conference USA Championship. And he got, in the process, 10 wins, 7 in Conference USA, 14 players on the Conference USA postseason awards teams, and second straight undefeated season at home. UAB is 12-0 at Legion Field since the program's reinstatement. That's impressive. It's hard to win on the road. It's hard to win at home. It's just hard to win unless you're a super elite program. Even then it's hard. But when you go into Legion Field last couple years, you come out a loser. So that's impressive to say the least. They've had an overall record since they returned to the football field of 18 and 8 and a league mark of 14 and 3 that's including the title game the 18 wins are the most over a 2 year span in school history and the 14 victories are the most of any conference USA school since 2017 so he gets the award they're going to play in their third bowl game on December 18th they're going to take on Northern Illinois at the Boca Raton Bowl they have been eligible 6 times in program history for for bowl birth and all three seasons under Clark's guidance. He has been there, coached them to a bowl every year. That's saying something for him. And a win would give UAB its first bowl victory in school history. That's pretty impressive, right? His overall record with the Blazers, 24-14, and he's 35-18 and right now as a Division I head coach. But more importantly, what he's done with UAB, I think, is tremendous. They didn't have a football program. It was ripped from them. It was taken away, shut down, because a larger school in the state decided, you know what, or at least people who think there shouldn't be other football teams, other programs, they decided, yeah, you know, this isn't a good thing. Presidents like, hey, we can't afford this. Athletic director, you know, just no. Fans went nuts. They said, hey, wait a minute, you can't do this. 
don't take our program away from us. And they found out that there are people who want to support and want to be a part of UAB football. And now look at them. Conference USA champions going to a bowl. Finding out that you take care of football at UAB, it might take care of you. But more importantly, I think a great job by Bill Clark. He did a fantastic job. He stayed. He didn't bail. They ripped football from him. They ripped football from UAB, and then he stays and rebuilds it. Take it away from him. He's starting to get that program in a spot where, okay, they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be competitive. No, taking that away from you. And then he gets it back, and he's got to rebuild it from scratch. Look what he's done. So congratulations to him. Bowl swag. It's very important, right? Kids get the bowl swag when they get to go to the bowl game. I will tell you about the bowl swag when we continue with this edition of The Drive presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Belltown Hearing Aid Center, this is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Now, we talk about it every year, the bowl swag, the stuff that's important to players, right? Not location, no, it's not matchup, it's swag. What's the bowl swag going to look like? Now, some bowls do it better than others. Some try, some fall short. Some just don't even care, it seems, and others are just maybe ashamed of what they have. Because right now... We don't know what's up with the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl's not revealing what they've got. And I can see why, because the Capital One Orange Bowl, guess what? Alabama, Oklahoma, you're getting a gift suite. You're getting a brand-name watch. You're getting a bag. And you're getting a personalized bobblehead of each student-athlete. So that's right. You're getting a bobblehead of you. You're getting your own bobblehead. I mean, right there, that wins the day. But... What other swag bags are going to be happening throughout the college bowl season? Well, let me tell you. First of all, if you go to the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, if you're LSU or UCF, and you don't get a PlayStation, well, the bowl's doing it wrong. Unfortunately, I think that this is probably the second best gift and makes everybody else's look bad. Because at the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, Everybody's getting a PlayStation 4 gift package. You're getting a PlayStation 4 console. You're getting a controller. You're getting games. Uh, you're getting a fossil watch with engraved case back. Uh, and you're getting a, uh, a brand name backpack. Everybody else, yeah, yeah, you're not getting to something as cool. I don't know, maybe. After all, it's the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. You're getting a PlayStation. Unfortunately for everybody else, uh, you know, you might not be getting a PlayStation. But if you go to the Bahamas Bowl, you're getting a gift suite. You're getting a a Yeti Rambler bottle. You're getting a Maker's Wanted Bahamas Bowl custom board shorts, towel, pen, string backpack. Okay, that's all right. That's not bad. That's not bad there. Uh, Quick Lane Bowl, $175 Best Buy gift card. Uh, You're getting some uh, JBL over-ear wireless headphones. You're getting a life-size fathead decal. For each participant of his likeness, that's kind of cool. You can get a fat head of your head or your likeness, put it on your wall. You're getting a quick lane bowl backpack, shirt, mini helmet, football. So quick lane's doing it all right. They're doing pretty good. 
Um, I'll say this. The Fathead's pretty sweet. That kind of puts them up in a class almost by themselves. And they're getting some pretty nice stuff. Arizona Bowl. Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. Um, you're getting a brand-name backpack with a power bank and external USB port. That's actually pretty functional for kids. Keep your stuff charged. Beats Buds. You're getting a Kindle Fire with built-in Alexa. Uh, you're getting a Hydro Flask cooling towel. You're getting Frito-Lay's products. Yeah, that's right. I'm getting a backpack. It charges my stuff. I'm getting chips. I'm getting a Kindle. I'm good. That's pretty good. Now, Las Vegas Bowl. You can get a gift suite, which is a value of $300. That's pretty solid. A Las Vegas Bowl hat and beanie. And you're getting a branded fanny pack. Yeah, branded fanny pack. Not feeling that one. But not, no, just not feeling it. All right, the Cheez-It Bowl. I better be getting some Cheez-Its if I'm in the Cheez-It Bowl. But you're getting a fossil watch. With engraved case back, you're getting JBL Charge 3 Bluetooth speaker. Uh, you're getting a bag-o-bag toss tailgate cornhole set. That's actually pretty cool. Yeti Roadie 20 cooler, a Yeti Rambler, dry duffel bag, roomy reveal quart bag, branded Bills cap, Dollar Shave Club starter set. Where's the Cheez-Its? Where's the Cheez-Its? Alamo Bowl, you're getting a $425 Amazon gift card. Uh, You're getting the uh, custom Alamo Bowl fossil watch. You're getting the mini helmet featuring both schools. You're getting a team panoramic photo. Let's go back to the gift card. Amazon, $425, that's pretty solid. Now, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, you're getting a a Visa gift card valued at $300. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl Fossil Watch. Uh, you're getting a Morphe Power Station XL. Amazon Echo Dot 3. Oh, come on. Just do an Echo, man. The dots are cool, but do an Echo. Uh, souvenir Football. Liberty Bowl. Shopping trip to Bass Pro Shops. That could be useful for some. Uh, Bose SoundLink Micro Bluetooth Speaker. You're getting a Bull of a Watch. Nike Apparel. You're getting athletic shoes, sports sandals, backpacks, sunglasses. You're getting a football. So that's pretty good. Bass Pro Shop, that's that's solid. Um, the Redbox Bowl, you're getting a, a watch, a backpack, a Roku, headphones, Redbox Bowl merchandise. Tax Slayer Bowl, you're getting um, Fossil Watch. Uh, you're getting Maui Gym sunglasses, an Amazon Echo, uh, Tumblr, some other stuff. Outback Bowl, Fossil Watch, you're getting a, a, a Jostens Ring, $125 Best Buy gift card, Outback Steakhouse gift card. That's not bad. You're getting a hat. Hats are fun. Okay. But think about it. Getting the Outback Bowl ring. I don't know, man. I don't know. The The ring might be the swag. Hey, look, I got my Outback Bowl ring. What do you think? Rings are nice. Camping World Bowl. Will Greer. Here's what you're not getting, Will Greer. You're not getting a $400 Best Buy gift card. Uh, you're not getting a brand-name backpack, Will Greer, with luggage tag, and you're not getting a fossil watch, Will Greer. Will Greer is not getting this stuff from the Camping World Bowl. Sorry. Uh, Citrus Bowl. UK players are getting $400 Best Buy gift card, fossil watch, 
you're getting the brand name backpack with luggage tag. Um, pretty much it's almost the same as the Camping World Bowl. Belk Bowl, shopping trip to Belk department stores with $450 gift card and a fossil watch. Um, that's okay. I mean, Belk. Belk solid, right? All right, here's where we um, here's where we sit and go, uh, I don't know. Um, let me skip down to say what is not really good. Bad Boy Mowers, Gasparilla Bowl, according to Sports Illustrated, next to last because it's just a gift suite. You don't know what's in the gift suite, so you really can't rank them. And the bowl game that got dinged is the New Era Pinstripe Bowl because you're getting a variety of New Era products. Um, we're going to table the rest of this. We'll probably go over it tomorrow. Definitely going to go over it again sometime soon. Maybe, uh, oh, I say next week during the pregame for the game itself. For our producer, Gabriel Sellards, special thanks to our guest this evening, Joe Bartle from rotowire.com and rotowire magazine. I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.